0: Hi, everyone. I just want to welcome to the mind tonight. I think it's so great just to see everyone here. Can we give a round of applause for David? He just did awesome. And uh, something I just found out today that he kind of kept secret for a couple weeks is that he turned 30 two weeks ago. So let's all give a big another round of applause for his 30th birthday. Thank you. All right. So my name's Frankie. I'm the adult intern here at Cornerstone, and that basically means I get to do a lot of cool things. And today, I get the privilege and the blessing of getting to introduce uh, just an amazing guy, someone who's way smarter than I am, so I'll probably be taking the most notes tonight. And uh, just pay attention tonight. You're really gonna learn something as we go through the book of Acts. Last week kind of blew my mind, so I can't wait to see what he does tonight. So without further ado, this is Greg.
1: Thanks, buddy. Hey, well, good evening tonight. Um, I don't know if you were with us last night, and so we started the mine last night, and just to bring you up to speed, I know a lot of people were in here um, uh, for Kaboom, which is great. If you're joining us for the first time, um, we are going through the book of Acts, and we'll be doing that for the next year or so, kind of a couple weeks per chapter. As well, um, I'll be here every couple weeks, and then I'm going to take a couple weeks off, and... Uh, work on some other things and then I'll be back a couple weeks and so but we're going to have some very qualified speakers and um, and I wish I could be here because I would sit under their feet to learn as we go through this so if if we could just make it a plan that I'm just going to come every Tuesday night I mean see this amount of people and I was standing back here as uh, as we were singing and I just kept thinking of all the places you could be and yet you're here uh, and so I would just ask maybe just one thing, that when you come each week, bring your Bible. Um, if you're using it on digital or, or hardback, just bring your Bible, um, because we're in God's Word, and it's really difficult just to sit for an hour and just listen. And so it, it gives you the Word of God to look at, and He's really what's, who's going to teach you tonight. And so as we started last week, we started with Acts 1, 1 through 11, and today we're taking 12 through 26. We left off last week with basically addressing the theme of the book of Acts, which is found in verse 8, and Jesus simply says to the disciples who then became apostles, I just want you to go out and be my witnesses. So we hung out on that word for pretty much all of last week and just really asked the question, what does it look like to be his witness today? And what I wanted to do is I wanted to just start tonight by just asking that question, did you get a chance to be his witness this week? Um, we, we kind of encouraged each other, and, and I think these studies are unbelievable. But if we're not putting into practice what we talk about, we all kind of left with a feeling of, yeah, we should go be his witnesses. So here's the test. How did we do this past week? How, 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 how was I able to introduce my story, God's story, The scriptures to someone who may have been in need of that. We have um, microphones that run throughout this auditorium, and that's one of the blessings we have here at The mine. It's a very unique study if you're joining us for the first time, because this is a study, as large of a group this is, where you get to stop and pause right where we're at, wherever I'm at, and to simply ask the question, can you back up? Can you repeat? Um, Can you clarify? I've got a comment. I'd like to add something. And so Frankie and Bill, I believe, or we've got couple of mics. Um, what we need you to do is raise your hand, and then they'll find you. And the question I just want to begin with is, did you have a chance this week? So I just want to be encouraged, honestly. This is, there's, there's no ulterior motive. I'd love to be encouraged by your stories as we begin tonight. So raise your hand. If you, had a, if you had a chance this past week to witness and be a witness for the kingdom, can we just hear that? Just give us a sound bite of what, what happened. I I see one right back here, so we'll start the conversation over here. I've got one here. So as Frankie's moving up this way, uh, why don't we grab the one right here? I, I actually am a counselor at a high school, and I work with students with emotional disabilities.
2: And I had a student who was in my office, and she actually has a tattoo of a cross. And so when she was telling me about her struggles, I just asked her, I said, do you attend church? And she said... Sometimes, depends on if my parents can take me, etc. And so
1: we started talking about how God made her because she's struggling with the fact that she's different. And so I just started talking to her about it. And at the end of our conversation about how God made us all in his image and he made her for a purpose, she told me it was really refreshing to be able to come to school and talk to someone about God and the Bible. Amazing, that's awesome. I love that. Very nice, very nice. Here we go.
2: I was, I attended actually a, a memorial service for a 19-year-old who committed suicide this weekend. Okay. And um, the lady sitting next to me, I had the opportunity to share Christ with her and talk to several others there about the love and the grace. And so um, I think the reason it was difficult to go, I knew it would be, but I think the reason I was there was just to share God's love.
1: Love it. Thank you very much. Thanks for sharing. Yep. Absolutely. Who else? Where did we have a chance to witness this past week? Yeah.
3: I have a friend in Chicago, and uh, we were talking, and uh, she asked me if I saw the movie Noah or Russell Crowe and what I sure. thought about it. And uh, we just started talking about that, and we talked about from there the rapture. We talked about, a little bit about hell. We talked about salvation. We talked about uh, the new heaven, new earth. We just talked about many subjects. So we were on the phone for over an hour. Well, you were. Wow. Uh,
1: Was there any point in that conversation where you were thinking, God, why? Where's this going?
3: Yes. I I wanted to ask this person, you know, if they're willing to accept Christ. And I'm going to do that in the next conversation. I told her, let's pick up this conversation. And and, uh, this person was very eager to hear what I had to say. And I told her. Not, not only to listen to what I'm telling her, but to also read the Bible and, and search out the things I'm speaking because that's ultimate authority. I'm just giving my opinions, what yeah. I know. Yeah. But ultimately, God's Word is what you need to search.
1: That's amazing. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Yep. <clears throat> I'll take one more. Anyone else? What did I get a chance to witness this week? I love it. I love these stories. Um, I, was, uh, I, was, I teach high school um, at Valley Christian High School, and one of my students uh, this past week, and the whole week I was asking God, God, um, I'd love a chance to witness. Um, I teach at a Christian high school, so it makes it a little difficult, um, but I'd, I'd love a chance and um, get back in the game and just kind of, you know, practice whatever I'm teaching up here. And, but I didn't know how it was going to come about, um, so I'm just looking for ways, and, and Monday uh, a student came up and said, hey... Um, a, one of the, a fellow student wants to wants to talk to us about, um, or wants to talk to me about some differences between some different religions. And are you available for lunch? And and I said, yeah, it's, you know. So that person was late, and it just didn't look like it was going to work out. Finally, person shows up, and and so the three of us just sat down. And before I knew it, I was in a conversation about, and it just it just kind of flowed out uh, from me to her. What? Why do you think you're going to heaven? Just kind of a general question, and I was honestly, guys, I was assuming just kind of a because uh, Jesus died for my sins, and and the answer I got back was because I'm a good person, and all of a sudden the radar goes way, way up, and that and 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 for some of us maybe that that's a that's a that that's a fearful response because now I don't know where I'm going. Um, I love those responses. Because basically, logically, she's now opening the door to not too many options. And so she opened that door of, well, I'm just a good person. And without trying to smile too big, um, I said, uh, okay, can I just ask you a couple questions? Now, again, I had learned these questions way back in college, way back in the day. They're called, I think, the Kennedy questions from James Kennedy, who launched Evangelism Explosion. And a couple of questions he would ask that have always stuck with me are, um, If you died tomorrow and you were standing at the gates of heaven and Jesus simply said, why should I let you in? Here's heaven. Why should I let you in? What would you say to him? And so I asked the the student that question. And she said, "Um, I, I guess because I'm a good person. And then noting that it was, you know, not a great answer, she felt like she needed to add more, which most people tend to do, which is, I know I'm not that great, but what? I know I'm not that bad. And so Kennedy advises, and I do as well, ask the second question then. Okay, sounds good. On a percentage scale, from zero, I've got no chance, to 100, I'm going, baby. And anything in between, where do you think you would fall on the percentage scale? And so I asked that question, and she said, I I think maybe 65. And I said, When I was in college, uh, someone asked me the same questions, and I gave myself even a better chance than you. I said, About 82. And I said, Can I share with you um, the reality of both of our situations? For me, it was way back when I was a freshman in college. For you, it seems to be right now. If we go along the route of, well, it's good people, but not so bad people, and who goes to hell? And guys, logically, then, we're into this very, really neat discussion of, I have basically put her in a corner to say, which I knew she would, certain kinds of people. And so she listed the, the natural people that we would all think of, Hitler and so on. And then she stopped, and I said, well, what about, um, what about rapists? What about murderers? So, so what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm pinning her back to a position of, at some point, you have to draw the line. Rapists, yes. Yes. Um, Wife abusers, no. Um, Tax evaders, yes. Um, You know, default on my mortgage, no. Uh, At some point, we were the ones drawing the line. And I simply wanted to encourage her, doesn't that just become burdensome? When I have to go to bed at night and decide who gets into heaven and who doesn't? And so I was able, in those moments in my classroom, to share the great gospel message that it doesn't depend on us. And I took off my watch and I said, you know, if this was a gift, when does it become your gift? And she looked at it and probably thinking, I don't need your watch, but, and she said, I don't know, I guess, you know, I don't know. And I said, it becomes your gift when you take it. It's still my gift, even though I say it's your gift, it's, it's, it's not your gift until you actually take it. And then I shared Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and God's great gift of grace, that it's there for the taking, but you've got to take it. I said, maybe, maybe that's something you want to do. I said, I'll think about it, and the great thing is I have a student, so I've got her for another 180 days. <laughs> and I can just watch, and I can ask, and I can kind of, me and this other guy, we can kind of team up a little bit, and and he was leaving, and I said, hey, man, we got to pray for this girl. And, and he was like, yeah, we got to, you know, he was just jacked up. He was so excited. Because we're in a live moment right there. We're in a moment where we're looking at someone, and we're just looking at this opportunity that God has given this student and myself to say, I'll do what I want with this girl. I just want you to be along for the ride right now. Be my witness. So I'm excited. I'll keep you posted. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Are we being his witnesses? Jesus proclaims to the disciples, I just need you to go out and share what you've seen and heard because I'm leaving. And when I leave, I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit, but you're going to be my mouthpiece. And 2,000 plus years later, folks, we are his mouthpiece. And so I just want to keep asking that question as we journey through the first church, how are we doing today in the 21st century of being his witnesses? And so periodically, we'll just we'll come back to that question. And when you have stories, please, 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 I'm encouraged by your stories. So let's encourage one another. This isn't about one-upping. This is about, yeah, in my circle of influence, this is how I got to share. And in my circle, this is how I got to share. And So let's just be about that business. Okay, here's, here's the question I want to ask you tonight, and let's go deep real quick. When you do things, is it because you're doing them, or did God ordain those things to come to pass, or both? Okay, so let me repeat that, think about that, I'll take a few comments. When you're doing things, is it because you're doing them, or did God ordain those things to come to pass, or both? Okay. What is your responsibility, and what is going to happen by God's design? So if you have a thought on that, I'd love to hear it right now. And I ask this completely out of sincerity. This lesson, um, when we get done here, might be more question-oriented by the way we're going to leave with more questions than we have answers, and, and I guess we need to be okay with that. So we start this with, when I do anything, when I get married, was it by my choice, or did God ordain that marriage to happen? Make sense? Or is it both? Because we're about to see a couple of scenarios here in Acts 1, 12 to 26, where that question really becomes important as to why people do certain things. Why do they do the things they do? Did they do it? Did God ordain for them to do it? Is it a mixture? And how does that apply to me today in 2014? Okay, any answers to that? Any comments, thoughts? Do you do things? Does God ordain them or both? Yeah, I'm struggling a little bit to see out there, so raise your hands up and our runners will come and give us your thoughts here.
2: Hi, Greg. I just have a comment on I feel that if you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you yes. your spirit filled. I feel that that close relationship um, always, if you're receptive to the Holy Spirit, is just a leading that is a working relationship in which He's a encourager and and He has you step out and say things or do things, because you had gifts that you were given, and I think as you're more receptive to the Holy Spirit, it just comes naturally in a lot of ways.
1: So sort of a, uh, sort of a yes and. Um, there's God working in you, and because of your gift mix or talents or skill sets, you just find this, and, and maybe your, your love for the Lord, there becomes this kind of, this kind of weaving
2: well, I could be in a bad mood and just say, no, I don't want to say anything. I mean, it's up to me whether I want to follow the Holy Spirit's leading or not.
1: So he'll push you to a certain limit.
2: I think he opens the doors. Okay. And makes, uh, makes a way for you. Okay. And, and that decides, you know, you're either going to go along or you're going to be afraid. But how long are you going to be afraid when you have the word? Okay. You have to step out in faith at some point. It's a faith relationship that we have. But it's still up to you as a, as a human whether you're going to obey or do it your way.
1: So you're still left with that choice to make?
2: Yes, I think to a certain amount. You, sure. you can't bury your talents. You can't, you can't turn your back on the Holy Spirit when He's working in your life. I don't think people give uh, the Holy Spirit enough credit. Sure,
1: I'll agree with that. Yep. Okay, one more.
0: Yep. I think it, you have to define your presuppositions before you can answer that. And the presuppositions are, is that God is real and all of God's teaching, such as morality and whatever, is true. You have to
1: believe that. Okay, let's say I do believe that.
0: Okay, then, then you have in you, even after the fall, God's spirit, that you do believe that. Yes. And so you can act on that, even though man has fallen. And therefore, you can make reasonable choices. And reason means you can think this is scriptural.
1: Sure, and yeah. And
0: all of that... And therefore, I accept it. Okay, and you can go from there.
1: No challenging either comment. The Holy Spirit's in me; He moves in my life. We sometimes call it we're guided or led. But when it comes to making that decision, I guess my question tonight is: Do I have to make the decision? For instance, um, I got some. I don't know if we can see these pictures up here. Um, So last December, I think I mentioned uh, I got married. We have any, can you throw that up? Is that connecting? Okay, Uh, let me know if it comes up. Um, So for those of you not here last night, there it is. Okay, so I got married last December. Uh, I'm a widow of four years and uh, met Jennifer on eHarmony and we got married last December, okay? Okay. Um, I show that because I'm proud of my hops and so I feel like I have a little bit of, I get a little bit of, uh, I got a little bit of a vertical, Um, in fact I'll blow it up for you, look at that, that's got to be at least 18 inches off the ground, so, okay, and she did it in heels, Um, uh, and then there's our family, okay, and so we got married with a school bus behind us because we're both school teachers and so you get the idea, okay, Um, we had fun, she smashed cake in my face, um, and then I smashed cake in her face. Um, and and so I share that for this reason. You can throw that off if you want. When Jennifer and I got married, we got married under uh, a lot of um, variables. Uh, Widow, father of three, uh, divorced, mother of two. We're going to combine families. You get the idea. Those of you who are in a blended family, um, you know all of the variables involved. And guys, as I was getting married... And some of you have faced this as well. The Holy Spirit's in me. He's working in me. But the bigger question is looming over me, should I do this? And if I'm being real religious about it, I may even ask the question, is this God ordained? Do I have to do this? God, is there something bigger going on here? That I just, I feel like if I don't do this, I'm not doing what has been preordained from, from, from long ago. Do you ever have one of those moments? Have you, you ever been in a situation where you feel like there's so many things that are just beyond coincidental that, that there's something bigger at play here? Um, and And I don't want to bore everyone with the story, but that was our situation. There was enough reasons for us not to get married, but I feel like both of us kind of looked at the situation and said, I don't know if it's about us anymore. It may be because God wants to use one of these five little kids. It may be because he wants to use maybe one of their kids. But had we not gotten together, the rest of it doesn't play out. And so... So, so it's almost like you, this has to happen in order for this to happen. Make sense? Okay. So, so you guys have to get married because maybe I want to do something over here, and it's connected through six degrees of separation back to you getting married. So, so grab, or either shout it out or grab a mic here. So then I have that choice of, okay, let's say I don't get married. So I go down this path and I get married. All of these things come into play. I take the option of, nope. I'm not going to get married. All of these options come into play. And guys, what we're kind of massaging here, and maybe belaboring the point, how much does God's sovereignty come into your decision-making? How much, how much of your thinking God has a plan that he's going to accomplish and I'm just a part of that plan, how much of that comes into our decision-making when we step back and say, maybe at some point in time, God, I have to do what you want me to do. I want to do what you want me to do because I'm a part of this plan And I don't see, I can't see the end yet. And so I want to step back and just acknowledge your sovereignty in this very moment right now. And in my feebleness and in my frail attempt here to make the right decision, I'm going to trust that if I'm walking close with you, if I'm doing what you want me to do, if I'm abiding in you, if I'm being led by the Spirit, that the decision I make is. Going to fulfill your, your sovereign will, your ultimate plan. Because, guys, I'm convinced as we look at the scriptures that God does have a plan. He's going to accomplish it. He's going to use you and me as a part of that plan. And, and here's, here's, here's the tough part tonight. Okay, so, I, so and, and lest you think I've got the answer, I really don't. He's going to use you and me as a part of his plan whether we want him to or not. Ouch. Now, now it just got a little dicey in here. Because, Greg, are you really saying that God's got a plan and he's going to accomplish it and he may just actually move me against my will over here? Oh, nuts. <laughs> now it just got ugly. Because now what have I taken from you? What have I just stripped from you? What do we champion here in America in our, my independence, my will, my freedom, my choice? You're just extracting that a little bit from me, Greg, and it doesn't feel good. Yeah, I, I want to get to these comments, I really do. Let me just, why are we talking about this? Here we go. Verse 12, they returned from Jerusalem, the apostles, the disciples, from the mount called Olivet, which is called near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, that is Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Real quickly, just can I get a side, little side note in here? See that word there, these all with one mind? As we journey through the book of Acts, make, make the mark, I guess, make a mental note. There's something special about this group of people, this church, because of this. In fact, if you look at, Chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Okay, so now they have one mind. Chapter 2, they're all together in one place. Look at chapter 2, verse 42. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship with each other. to Teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 246. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Go two pages over. Go to chapter 4. Look at verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. The congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. Look at chapter 5, verse 12. And at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. Do you get the idea here? You see what's happening here. One continual, one mind, one heart, one body, one soul. And by the way, if you look at chapter 2, uh, look at verse 47. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Look at verse 41. So then those who had received His word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Why do most churches fail at being one mind? And I know I'm taking a side note here, and so I will get to these two comments here. Trust me. But Flesh that out a little bit. Why do most churches fail at being one mind today? What is so hard about that? Shout it out. What, what is it? Why do we fail at that? It can't be size. Why, why can't it be size? That's a pretty big church right there. 3,000? They seem to be getting it done. What is it? Why, why do so many churches fail at being of one mind and one accord in our day and age today? I think we're at a different spot
2: in the world. Keep going. Uh, in, in, in back in those days, th- thank you, back in those days, Life was simpler. We were, we were an agrarian society and, a, and, a, and small shopkeepers and, and that sort of thing. We didn't have the distractions of the world that we have today. Not at the same intensity or volume, anyway. Okay. We are still there. But I don't, I don't think the world shouted as loudly in their ears as the world does in ours.
1: I'm not, Yeah. I don't doubt that for one minute, but, but is, do we go with that as our best excuse? It is an excuse. We're sitting before Jesus, and he says, How, what, what was up with the one mind thing? It worked 2,000 years ago. These guys are laying stuff at the apostles' feet. They're giving their stuff away for anyone that would have need. What happened in 2,000 years, 2 millennium? And we're going to go with, hey, culture changes, Jesus. you got to understand that. Like, we're not agrarian anymore. Um, we have brick walls now. We've got electric garage door openers. It's very easy for me to pull in, hit the button, put, push the, How many of us do that, right? But it is an excuse. I, I agree. I agree. I'm not debating that. I'm just, is that what we're going with? It's it is a rationalization. Why, why aren't we one mind?
0: The, I think that the problem really comes down to the teaching of the church and what we really do believe as individuals. And some are more rigorous than others and live in the gospel, live in scripture and the spirit. And okay. if all did that, we would be exactly like the Jerusalem church.
1: I like that. I like that the the comment basically is pushing us all towards a personal conviction of look in the mirror,
0: and I remember oh in the, in the recent past, within the last couple of years, um, Lynn gave some statistics about our congregation in terms of spiritual maturity, and it really does bear that out, and I think part of the problem has to do with teaching yeah and rather than teaching last century. See, the Bible is fair game. That is for eternity. But the way things are taught changes. And we can't reach the youth of today with 1950s theology and dogma the way it's taught. Okay. Taught, excuse me. So I, I think that's enough.
1: Part of it. One more over here, and then let me go back here. Because um, I'm thinking something. Let's see if we hit it. You're good. The biggest thing is is urgency. Back then, they
0: had just uh, those who were witnesses had seen him ascend into heaven, and there was an
1: urgency. They thought well, he's going to return. Okay. There's an urgency. It's new, and now we're comfortable.
3: And why we though? See. Why
1: why are we comfortable? I don't know that. Why can't he come back tomorrow? You can't. Why, are we, why are we promising another day? But I agree. We're, it's rationalization here. Guys, and the reason I, and I think it's fear and vulnerability. I think that we're not one mind and one accord because I'm not going to step out and be vulnerable because I'm fearful because I don't know you. Um, you come here on Sunday mornings. Who do you sit next to? Is the worst part of your Sunday mornings stand up and greet someone? We're not going to admit it, but, you know, oh, man, here we go. Good morning. Especially when they give you something to do and answer this question and ask this. And, okay, here we go. How are you doing? I don't know you. I don't, you know, I, I, what am I going to share with you? Um, when Lynn, when Lynn said, stood up here, what, last Sunday about the men's retreat, you know, and go sit with another guy for an hour and a half and just pour out your heart and, we, we, we struggle with that, and I just wonder if we're missing that element today of fear and vulnerability, I'm fearful of being vulnerable, combined with, do I really, am I walking strong with the Lord? What if we could take those two things and get back to 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, it doesn't matter. I feel safe in this place. I feel like I could just, just open up here. I just note that they were doing it, and I'm wondering if we could get back to that. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'd like to, I would. And guys, I know small groups is kind of the answer, but I'm not seeing that necessarily here. I know they met in houses and so there were smaller places, but I just get the feel after reading the first five chapters of Acts that they could do that anywhere. Yeah, it was new, and yes, it was, you know, we're all in this together, Jesus is coming back, but what's the difference between that and us today? Jesus is coming back, we're all in this together, Persecution, obviously, looking at the Middle East, is rising. Are we going to have each other's backs? Well, I don't know if I have your back because I don't know you. And because there's so many factions and splits and I don't know what you believe and why you believe it, um, I'm not sure I want to be of one accord with you. They just didn't seem to struggle with that. Which allowed them to do some pretty cool things. Like hey, I've got stuff, here it is. They can do that because they trusted each other. They didn't have to fill out a bunch of reports as to this is exactly where the money's going to go and you can trust us. And I just wonder, I wonder if we can get back to that. I, I don't know, I, I'm hoping. Here, let's get back to the scriptures though because this is when I asked that first question, here it is right here. Peter stands up, verse 15, in the midst of the brethren, about 120, and said this, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his portion in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness, and falling headlong, verse 18, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. Speaking of Judas, by the way, you have several options as to how did Judas die because in Matthew chapter 27, it says he hanged himself. And here it says, he fell headlong and his bowels gushed out. So which is it? Some people see this as a contradiction in the Word of God. They will use it actually to pin you to a point of admitting that the Word of God is contradictory. And they use this passage along with Matthew 27, verse 5, to put you in a corner. And I just want to tell you, that you don't have to be put in a corner if you don't want to. But we still have to answer the question, well, how does that happen? How does Judas Judas both hang himself and fall headlong and have his bowels gush open? So ready? Here's, I'm sorry? The rope broke. The rope broke broke and he was over a, a ravine or a cliff of some sort. Okay, that's one option. Okay, here's the others. He hanged himself, the rope broke, he fell and burst out open, bowels gushed out. He hanged himself, he was taken down, thrown onto a dunghill, his carcass became putrid and his abdomen burst open. I like that one. He hanged, himself, he, was ta- he, was hang- he hanged himself, he was taken down, thrown on the same dunghill, dogs came and ripped open his insides. Being filled with despair, he went to the top of a house and threw himself off headlong, Bowels gushing out, but we don't have them hanging in that case. Satan, I like this one, having entered him, caught him up in the air and threw him down to the ground. I like that one. How about this one? My favorite. He was so grief-stricken, his bowels became irritable (laughs) and obliged him to withdraw for relief, and upon relieving himself... He experienced spasmodic affections, and the bowels appeared to have come out in piecemeal. That's, I'm serious. I didn't make that up. And then finally, some see it as figurative um, because he was so grief-stricken, his insides erupted basically on the insides, but he, they really didn't literally come out. I'm not sure what option you want to go with. I do, I do subscribe to the first option. Um, somehow he found a tree that was hanging over a ravine of some sort, hung himself, the tree broke, and he fell. Now, is that, is that scientific? No. But does it answer the question, do they have to be contradictory? No, they don't. There is a possibility that that could have happened. And so don't, please don't feel threatened when someone says, hey, it's either one or the other. doesn't have to be. Okay. Here's my point, though. Go back to verse 16. Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those arrested, and then dropped down to verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his homestead be made desolate, let no man dwell in it, and his office let another man take. And my question is, and again, I guess I apologize ahead of time, but I have to ask it. Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled. Who fulfilled the scripture? Judas. Did he have to fulfill that scripture? Right? If not him, then who? So when we look at the sovereignty of God, did God ordain this to happen? Practically speaking, practically, practically. Did Judas have a choice in this matter? And I say that again, guys, not because I want to debate the finer points of Judas but because I want to look at my own life. And I want to ask a sovereign God, are you at something greater than me and my little workings here? And am I a part of something bigger that's out of my control? All the while, getting up every day and doing what I think I should be doing. And guys, if that isn't a tension that we need to wrestle with, I I don't know what is. Because guys, not one of us in the room got up today and said, God, you're sovereign, you have a plan, you've ordained it, so I'm just going to stay here and not do anything until you physically get me out of bed and move me. Not one of us did that, right? But I think a lot of us believe in the sovereignty of God. And the reason I bring this up, and we have one more more to go, so don't, don't leave yet, but the reason I bring this up is this. If you don't agree, if you don't acknowledge the sovereignty of God in your life that God is about something big here then you really do get up every day and think I'm the one who's doing it this happened because I made it happen if I didn't make this decision all of these things wouldn't have happened and at the end of the day I go to bed at night thinking it was me and I just read this passage and I just throw my hands up and say God was it really was it you or was it me? Or was it both? Here's how, here's how it works in my life. And, and again, I don't ask this because I like to debate theology. I ask this because the other night I walked into my son's room, who's 14. Um, he's crying. And he's 14, and he's a freshman in high school, and it's about 4.35 in the afternoon, and he's in his bedroom weeping. Which you know, as a parent, you kind of you know, did I do something? You know what, what's up? I was just I was watching some some DVDs of of Leanne, mom, of her memorial service, and I just got sad, and I don't know why this had to happen. That's why this matters to me. Because, guys, if I can't go to my son at that point in time and embrace him with an answer that helps a little bit, then I don't know then. And what helped me in that moment wasn't to say, I don't know, life's a mystery, it happens to some, it just happened to happen to us, and oh well. If that works for you, you know, okay. You know what worked for me, Kaden. I can't. I can't prove this. Like I don't. I think God's at work here. I think there's a plan that's that's this, and we're here somewhere. And we talked about. Leanne passes away. Her best friend starts a nonprofit that has sent over 5,000 blankets to newborns with Leanne's name on it. Um, at the funeral, my cousin flies in from New York, hears the testimony of all of Leanne's friends, and becomes a Christian, flies back to New York, and now she is going unbelievable, guns blazing. In helping single moms who have been putting shelters find houses and apartments, and she's doing that 20, almost 24/7. Her her garage, her house is full of stuff that people drop off all the time. I meet Jennifer. Jennifer is a teacher who's been not teaching because she's raising her kids, wants to get back into teaching. She's an English teacher. I teach at a Christian high school. The English teacher at the feeder school who teaches middle school took the job at the high school that was a vacancy, and now there's an opening at the middle school that when Jennifer applies, she puts my name as a reference and a good friend of ours whose wife works at the middle school, and she gets an interview, gets the job, and now all of our kids are going to that school. And guys, they're, they're learning so much about Jesus that, that, that I, we couldn't do ourselves. All because, all because four years ago, my wife's sitting at a a stoplight and someone hits her from behind and kills her instantly. And in that very moment when my son is in tears, we can both weep and we can rejoice together because he knew as well as I was sharing these things that I'm not making this stuff up. And if there's not some greater plan in place, then you want to talk about coincidences and variables and can you believe that all this happened? No, I'm going with, you know, and you can say that. You can say, yeah, but Greg, if you didn't marry Jennifer and if, you, and if Leanne didn't die, and yeah, go, that's fine. I'll give you that. I feel more comfortable going to bed at night saying, there is a sovereign God who's got a plan that I don't even agree with. And he's going to get it done. And at the end of the day, guys, I think he's asking you and me, are you okay with my plan? Because I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, and I just assume you'd be okay with it. Because during year one when Leanne died, I'm cursing him. And now year four, I'm praising him. Guys, I've ministered to so many people who have lost loved ones and and just to minister to them and give them that hope that maybe God's got a plan in place. You've lost loved ones. You you, you don't understand your situation right now. You're throwing your hands up saying, I wouldn't have written it this way. Yeah, we can go out to coffee then and we can talk about that because that's exactly where I'm at. I wouldn't have written it that way with all the pain and grief and suffering. And but here I am four years later looking on the back and maybe a little farther than you are. And I'm seeing some really, really good things happen. And I'm not going to preach on this, but, but I've got to think in my heart of hearts. Leanne's up in heaven, and when God explained the whole story to her, the night she died when she's in heaven and God said, the reason I had to take you from three kids and a husband and is because of this, and he unveiled everything that we're just seeing kind of folded, unfolded as time goes on, but she sees it all at once, I got to think in my heart of hearts, she said, yeah, I get it, I get it, Go, I get it, good, Yep. Yeah. yeah, more people are coming to the kingdom, more souls are being saved, my kids are going to be in good hands, I get it, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, my heart's breaking. Are you okay with God's plan? Real quick, real quick. Look at verse 23. Because, because the reason I ask that, guys, is because of this. I'm asking Joseph called Barsabbas, called Justice, if he's okay with God's plan. Verse 23, and they put two men forward, so they got to pick a new apostle. So they put two men forward, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they picked these two guys, if you go up to verse 21, because they were men who've accompanied us the whole time Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John, until the day he was taken up, that they should become a witness of his resurrection. So their qualifications to become an apostle, they just laid them out right there for you. Had to be a guy, had to be with us the whole time, had to watch Jesus get baptized, had to watch him die and rise again and ascend, and he will be one of the witnesses. He's going to be called one of the 12 here. Now, if you don't get this, you got to understand the magnitude of this. There's about 120 people kind of praying and kind of getting, you know, and the 11 guys come together and say, we have to fill this position. And we've got two qualified candidates, Joseph and Matthias. They've both been with us. They've both seen Jesus get baptized. They've both walked the three years with us. They both watched him die and rise again. They watched him ascend and we're kind, we don't know who to pick. Verse 24, and they prayed and said, thou, Lord, knowest, who knowest the hearts of all men, show us which one of these two thou hast chosen to occupy the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. They pray about it and say, God, we got two qualified candidates. Who should we pick? Are you okay with God's plan if you are Joseph called Justice? Because in verse 26, they drew lots. Now, just real quickly, I think they reached into a bag with their names on them, Matthias and Joseph called Justice, and they picked one of them. Some people think they rolled dice, I think they picked out of a bag. It's one of these. They reached into something with two names on them. They may have had playing cards and flipped one over. I don't know how they did it, but they basically prayed, and then they reached in and pulled one out. And guess who got it? And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias. And that very moment, they look at Matthias. It's, get in your mind, the finals of American Idol. Those two people are up there, drumroll, roll everything, show his face, show his face, show them looking at each other. It's the Miss America pageant. Who's going to be the runner-up and who's going to get the thing? And so they're looking, they're wishing each other well. I hope it's you. No, I hope it's you. You deserve it. No, you deserve it. This is a big deal, guys. This is huge. You get named an apostle, you get named the 12th. This is big in an instant your notability is going to go through the roof. You're not not any longer known as a follower or a disciple. You are now known as one of the 12 who is being sent. Matthias or Joseph called justice, Barsabbas. Matthias, welcome to the family. We have some parting gifts for you. We wish you well. You'll always be known as a disciple. You'll never be known as an apostle. Why'd you pick him? Why not me? Because we prayed about it and we picked a name out of a hat. And we're going with Matthias. And the question I want to leave us with tonight is simply this. If you're Joseph, also called Barsabbas, are you okay with that? Are you okay with the fact that you had just as much qualification as this guy? It could have went your way. It didn't go your way. Do you go home at night grieving, mad, upset, cursing, blaming, justifying, rationalizing? God, you have a plan. And apparently, I'm not supposed to be an apostle. And it stings a little, God. I wouldn't have written it this way. Pains me a little bit. I wish I could have been an apostle. Looks like they're having fun over there. What are they talking about? They all have t shirts that, you know, oh, I'm an apostle. And I don't know, you know, they get to teach and do cool apostle things. And I, I was right there, I was runner up. Does Joseph go home that night grieving and upset, or does he go home saying, God, you've got a plan. I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. I'm okay. Because, God, I'm confident that your best in this moment, guys, in this moment, the best thing that could have happened to Joseph called Barsabbas is to not get chosen. How much do we struggle with that? And guys, I can't wave a wand tonight. I really wish I could to give you the specific, factual answers to why it didn't happen for you. Why didn't he pick me? Why didn't he marry me? Why didn't I get the job? Why didn't we get to go here? And I'm not going to suggest either that every time you don't get chosen, it's because God is looking down saying, that wasn't the best for you. Sometimes things just happen. I get that. But I am saying that when it comes down to something like this, you and I need to be able to go to the God who is sovereign over all and throw our hearts before Him and say, "God, it stings." But you've got a plan, and I'm going to trust in that plan. Here's the deal is, and this is, if you haven't been here before um, Uh, we've all got stuff to do after this and it's eight o'clock. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray for us and then I'm gonna stay up here as long as you want me to and we can just continue talking about this because that doesn't solve your problems. I get that. I just hope it offers a little bit of reason because that's exactly what happened here. And maybe we can take our encouragement tonight from the word of God to say, things happen maybe for a reason that I'm not gonna be privy to this side of heaven. Am I okay with that? Let's pray. Father, thanks for tonight. I know I left some people hanging out there with some comments, and I apologize for that. God, I pray that we'd be able to talk after service here, and, and uh, if not tonight, next week. I love, Father, how your word causes us to just stop and pause, and when so- maybe sometimes we've breezed over this passage so many times, we've never really stopped and paused and thought, how does, that, how does that make someone feel, and why does it happen, and did it have to happen, and are you in control? And my thought god is is a lot of question marks to all those questions but the last one if someone in here tonight father is going through a difficult time where they just can't make sense of it in 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 a very jumbled way that i tried to present tonight would you make it clear to them that you are absolutely 100% in control of their situation of their life, and as someone mentioned earlier, if we would just fall and bow down to the cross and allow you to work in our lives, we can receive just a little bit more maybe of an answer as to why things are happening. I pray that for everyone here tonight. I pray that we'd go out and continue to be witnesses for you, because we don't know when you're coming back. But when you do come back, Father, may we be a group who is ready and waiting with hearts wide open. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.